There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Classic rock band Bachman-Turner Overdrive celebrates 50 years of taking care of business this month, as founder Randy Bachman was also just nominated for the shortlist of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I spoke to Bachman about his prolific career from the Guess Who hits like American Woman and These Eyes to BTO classics like Taking Care of Business and You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Hello? Hey, Randy Bachman. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. You're very welcome. Nice to be here. Now we're talking because your iconic band, Bachman Turner Overdrive, just kicked off on September 22nd, just kicked off a new tour called Back in Overdrive. Um, how's it going so far? What, what cities have you played so far? Uh, we did the big E-Fest in um, Springfield, Massachusetts, which was amazing. I could walk out on stage and go, hello, Springfield, just like I was on The Simpsons. <laughs> that was cool. And so we've done a couple of gigs in um, Midwest state fairs, and now we're headed down to uh, oh, St. Louis, and we're doing um, L.A., the YouTube Center, in early November, and San Diego, and we're getting gigs all over the place, so it's fantastic. That's awesome. And here in the D.C. area, of course, we want to know, are there any plans to swing over our way, either D.C., Baltimore, you know, the general area? Yeah, we're getting plans. We're getting offers to go everywhere. But we've been catching up on the past I have for the last two years on the COVID shutdown and gigs that, uh, you know, were delayed two years. So we're catching up on all of those because a lot of people held on to their tickets. So those are almost all done. And so we're now we're starting to accept the BTO gigs all over the States and it makes uh, it's hard to get them. You can't go everywhere at once. So you try to get a logical sequence so you can drive or fly them properly, right? Get in a bus and do them all. So we'll be coming there as soon as possible. Awesome. Yes. I, I definitely keep us posted when, when, when that might be, uh, cause we'd love to, you know, use this interview to help pr promote whatever the latest you got coming up. Um, well, very good. Very good. Um, well, whenever I have a legend like yourself on, you, you are a true rock legend. I always love to remind people sort of, um, you, you know, your, your, your origin story. I know you grew, you were born in Winnipeg in Canada back in what, 43. What, and you obviously you had brothers, Robbie and Tim would go on to form BTO and everything. So was it like a musical childhood with, with the three of you, you know, were you guys always into music from a very early age? Well, I was the oldest. So, you know, I, I played and you tend to do what your brother does. You know, he shoots hoops, you're going to shoot hoops with him. You know, if he pitches baseballs, you're going to catch and play baseball. So they all kind of played around the house, but we were quite a poor family. And so uh, to get my brother drums, we made him a drum set out of, we used to have Oglevy, big round cardboard things of Oglevy oats, oatmeal, you know, porridge. Yeah. Uh, and they were Quaker oats, so the Quaker on the front, but they were great big round 
things that maybe were a foot high and they were about uh, 12 inches across and they were round. Yeah. So once, it, once the oatmeal was gone, we'd cut those down, put the lid back on so we would have different size um, tom-toms and a, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a pot upside down and, and, and wooden spoons that my mother had for cooking. So that was his drum set until we cut the very first album. Then I, I, I borrowed a drum set from the guest who drummer, Gary Peterson, who's a friend of mine. And he, he loaned his first drum set to my brother, Robbie, and we played on the first album. And then he could afford his own set of drums. <laughs> I love it, man. Man, I literally have one of those tall cylinder Quaker Oats oatmeal things downstairs. I could I, I eat out of it every day. So I'm sure I can totally imagine playing like you know, Tom Toms on those things. That's perfect. Well, yes, you mentioned. We, you mentioned, obviously, this is a BTO interview, but you mentioned the, uh, the Guess Who. And we have to remind our listeners, of course, you were one of the founding members of the great band, The Guess Who. And, the, and I guess the band formed in, what, like 65. But uh, the one big, the early big hit before American Woman. Tell me about These Eyes. You playing guitar on that? That That is a, that is that is an iconic song. But any members of, of These Eyes? Well, I wrote the basic uh, part of These Eyes on the piano. And I'm not I'm not a piano player, but I just sat down one day in the key of C and went boom boom da 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 and did that and I showed it to Burton Cummings and he said, Wow, that's so simple, I would never do it because he's like a boogie woogie grade 12 classical piano player, you know, uh yeah. uh concert, you know, concert pianist. Um, and, and learned a lot of Fats Domino and Boogie Woogie stuff. So we wrote it around that simple riff on piano. And then I put a lot of jazz guitar chords in it. If you try to play that song, if you can play these eyes, uh, you're a really good guitar player or piano player. Because there's there's probably 15 chords and it keeps changing key and everything. And uh, I think Burton was 18 or 19 when he sang that. And it's still one of the greatest vocals that you hear on radio to this day. It's about four octave. It's like an Elton John song. You think it's easy to sing along to when you try it, or Freddie Mercury. It's <laughs> yeah. just, you start down low and you go higher, like our, or Roy Orbison, higher and higher and higher and higher. And you wonder how could he hit all the high notes. And today that today that still sounds great on the radio, that, that version, that song, it's just fantastic. Yeah, it seems simple, but when you actually try to sing it or play it, you're like, oh, my. then the mastery reveals itself. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, well, I want to obviously get back to BTO because that's what this tour is. But I have to one more on guess who I have to ask you about American Woman. My listeners will kill me if they don't talk about that's one of the most iconic songs of all time. I love that it just like hits you in the face out of the gate. I mean, uh, what's it like playing lead guitar on that? That must be even to this day. I don't know if you do it in these BTO shows, but uh, what's it like playing uh lead guitar on that that is an iconic iconic riff well we have to play it in the shows in the bto <laughs> shows you have to because uh well we actually when we played we played just last friday at the uh the the big e festival which is five states having their state fair in one place uh, in springfield massachusetts and uh in the middle of the set somebody sent up a piece of paper and so i look at it and it says these eyes was our graduation song and then we played it at our wedding and then we played it every year at our anniversary could you please play these eyes wow. so the, the whole audience is sitting there. It's in the middle of our set it's right after not fragile a big heavy bto song and i say to the audience well i was in a band called the guess who do you know the guess who and they all clap and cheer and i say i just had a request from somebody who drove 350 miles to hear this song do you, <laughs> do, do you mind if i play these eyes and they go crazy so we play these eyes and it sounds just like the record and um in the middle of the crowd i notice 
about eight or ten couples stand up and start waltzing, dancing to the song together like it is their song. Wow. And so after that, we rock, we went into No Time, which is the rocker, and American Woman, and the crowd went crazy. And so uh, since I wrote those songs, I feel no, I feel compelled, actually, and the people want to hear them, to play them. And um, nobody else is playing them these days <laughs> of the original guys. And so we uh, actually I do a BTO song called Stayed Awake All Night. And right from that, I go right into American Woman and the crowd loves it. I love it. I mean, that's what's so cool about this. I mean, we're talking with, you know, the guy who wrote American Woman and is playing that riff. And you said no one no you know, and plays them today. But yeah, we do, baby. They're all over not only classic rock radio, but, you know, gosh, it's been a couple years ago now. But every, even even younger people will know the Lenny Kravitz version from Austin, the second Austin Powers. I mean, that, that that's an iconic song. And your version is, of course, the version. Um, all right. Awesome. So then, all right, then how fill in the gap? Then how, how do you get from the guess who? How does that how do you leave that band? and decide to go with Rob, your brothers, Robbie and Tim, and Tim Bachman to, to form BTO as along with Fred Turner, of course, in 73, but like ha, ha, bridge that gap for us. how did you decide to leave guess who and start the iconic BTO? Well, it was tough to leave the guess who, because when I left American woman album and single were number one. And we went from $750 a night to 10,000 a night when that hit number one. <laughs> and the band was in the hole about $40,000 I had a gallbladder problem and was having a gallbladder attack every night on the road and couldn't couldn't get any medical attention because we were in a different city every single day. Yeah. And we had five days off. I went home to Winnipeg. I had a bunch of tests and they said, oh, you're gallbladder. You've got 12 gallstones or something. You got to have them out. You're scheduled for an operation and you got to stay home and eat this. Don't eat fat foods or you know fried foods or sugary foods because it'll activate your gallbladder. You have another attack. So you got to stay home and eat soda crackers, skim milk, and sugar-free Jello for the next three months. <laughs> and I said, and I said, well, I I understand I need an operation. I agree because it was terrible. The pain of a gallbladder thing was terrible. And I said, the band is doing one gig in New York. I've got to go back and do one gig. And they said, what is it? I said, we're playing the Fillmore East. And then then that was a big thing in 1970. The Fillmore East was phenomenal. Yeah. So I got on the plane. Flew to New York on the plane. The stewardess, you know, I was starving because on the plane, they don't give you soda crackers and sugar-free jello and skim milk. I ate something. And when I got to the play the Fillmore, my gallbladder started up and I went and I had a gallbladder attack in the bathroom in the Fillmore. Ah. And I, I was so, I, I've never taken any drugs in my life. But when you're having a gallbladder attack or something's wrong, your body kicks out adrenaline. So I was so rushing on the adrenaline from this gallbladder attack because you have this pain in the middle of your chest and you're throwing up blood and everything. It's just very, 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 very painful. I go on stage in this, my body's in this shock and I play like it's the end of the world. And for me, it is the end of the world. And the Fillmore crowd goes crazy. It's my last gig with the guess who. And then I get on the plane and fly back to Winnipeg and I wait and then I get my gallbladder they get taken care of like uh, six weeks later because they say, always oh, schedule your operation later. And um, then I had nothing to do. The guess who went on without me, they had shared the land mm -hmm. and they, they were on the road making money back to pay off our debt. And I had nothing to do. Nobody wanted to play with me in a band because I had quit the guess who at number one. Mm -hmm. And um, it took a couple of years. I finally got my brothers together. Nobody else would play with me except my buddy, Fred Turner, who I'd known since I was 16 and said, hey, Fred, you want to be in a band? This is your big chance. I got a record deal. 
I know who to talk to. I know how to do this and that. So he joined me and my brothers joined me. And we started uh, um, a failure band. We were called Brave Belt. We had two immense failing albums. And <laughs> when the third one came out, uh, we were asked to change our name because nobody knew what Brave Belt was. And we were playing country rock at the time and nobody was into that. And we switched playing heavier rock. And when Fred Turner came in, he had this heavy voice like a like a Harley Davidson or a Summit truck. He had a great <laughs> big gigantic voice. And so we started to play heavier music. And we changed our name when we saw the Overdrive magazine, a trucker's magazine. I, I wrote to the magazine editor and said, can we use your, this name for a band? He said, yeah, nobody's thought of using that in a in music before in events so we were the first band to use the word overdrive now it's everywhere there's overdrive pedals and overdrive things on amps we were the first band this is like it's 1972 to call ourselves there's three backman bachman turner and then overdrive and when i called the record label and said okay we got the name we got the name and he said what's the name and i said bachman turner overdrive he said it's great but it's too long and i said how about bto and he said wow that's great because then chicago with CTA, they weren't even Chicago. They were CTA, Chicago Transit Authority. Crosby says a Nash was CS and N. Right. And everybody was having like, if you can Ac have a, yeah. Acronyms. a real, <laughs> right, a real name and an acronym, like a logo, you're really in. And, and then we went to take our album picture for the first album. And I was standing in a great big field and we're taking the picture at about seven o'clock at night because the best to do an outdoor shot in twilight when the sun isn't so bright that you're squinting, but there's enough light. So the, the photographer saying to me, move over, Randy, move over back, have your back up two feet now. Okay, you guys are in the great sunlight. Stand together, shoulder, shoulder, give yourself a hug, move back a little bit. <clears throat> and when I moved back a little bit, I fell over backwards. And we were standing in prairie grass about a foot high. Yeah. And I said to Fred, look, I fell over this thing, this giant wooden thing here. Let's move it out of the way because we have to stand in this spot because of the sunlight. And we lifted this thing up, and it was a giant eight-foot wooden gear. And the photographer said, that's incredible. That looks like an overdrive gear. So if you look at BTO1, that gear's on the front. It's on the back. The real gear's on the back. We're holding it up. That was became our logo, that big gear with the BTO in the middle. So the whole thing happened by accident. Me falling over this thing, we lifted it up. And it became our, our our symbol. Now it's still our symbol. It's a big, big gear, overdrive gear, like from a Ferrari. Wow, you that's an amazing story. You literally tripped over a gear in the field while taking the picture. And that I'm I'm sure, I'm sure with the name overdrive already, you were like, ha, perfect. That's amazing. Thanks for that. Okay, so yeah, you mentioned that was the first album. We have to hit the second album, BTO2 in 74. Um, we'll get to Taking Care of Business in a second, but I'm pretty sure even before that, the first big single was Let It Ride. Everyone knows the try, try, try to let it ride. But I love what I love, and well, you probably as a guitarist too, um, is that great driving riff. You know, how did you come up with the dun, dun, I mean, that's just, it's, it's so, I don't know, the momentum of it carries us through that song. Well, the thing about that song and most of the BTO stuff is I was told to write pop music like in the Guess Who because we were a pop band. <clears throat> and I always, gave, I always gave the pop music a little guitar edge like American Woman. And so we wanted a a real melodic verse. And you listen to the verses and let it ride. They're very nice chords. And even with You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, they're really nice, cool, jangling guitar chords. But when it gets to the hook, in comes these power chord guitars that blow your face off. And you're singing the hook with these guitars behind you. And so when I did the beginning to let it ride, I didn't know where to go. It's a nice dominant key uh, jangling, you know, in the key of A. And minors 
sound great in blues and in heavy rock. The minor chord is the the, the darker sounding chord. So to go from this light jangly thing in the key of A down to F sharp minor and do that, dun, 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 it just made this whole song heavy. And I wrote the whole beginning, like, goodbye, I lie, don't cry, going to let it ride. It was Fred Turner. I said, okay, here we are, sing something heavy. And he goes, you can see the morning, but I can see the light. And I go, okay, just a minute. Let's go try, 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 let it ride. And they, then he, so we were answering a heavy scream and a light answer, a heavy scream. And, and then they would go to the, the, you know, the heavy part back and forth. And that kind of what made, that turned into classic rock being, getting pop music and playing heavy parts and or heavy riffs or heavy courses. And and we're still doing that stuff today. Oh, it's it's absolutely perfect. That it, it is an unbelievable song. That I mean, younger listeners they know taking care of business. They know you ain't seen nothing yet by name. But that Let It Ride is always one of those where I'm like, haha, I'm gonna put this on. Oh, I do know that. It's it's a great one. It's a great one. I'm Bradley Trainer and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, well, tell me about Taking Care of Business, of course, on that same album. It became like a blue-collar anthem of getting up every morning alarm clock morning you know trudging off to work and everything um but t- yeah tell me about you know just putting that one together and coming up with that cool that opening riff dun, 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 and then the piano comes in yeah just tell me into the creation of i'm, I'm geeking out loving hearing how you created these well that that beginning was a mistake <laughs> because i was playing it on a guitar and in coming from the uh taking it out of the guitar case i banged the guitar and the tuner went down a whole tone. When I went to play my normal Chuck Berry riff, like like in Johnny Be Good, da 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 da. Yeah. That a my a string, my second string was out of tune by one whole note. And when I went to play da 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 da, it didn't work. It went da 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 da. It went down a whole tone. If you know what I'm saying. So that was a mistake. It was a mistake. And then I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. I tuned my guitar and I went to play it. It didn't sound the same. So I had to play it differently. So if you're going to play taking care of business, it's in the key of C. Your first finger's on your, your low E string on the eighth fret. Normally, your third finger would be on the second string on the tenth fret. They both start on the eighth fret. So that's that da 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 And I moved it down, da da And that became a variation on the Chuck Berry guitar riff by accident. Wow, that is and an then- amazing... And then for a solo, if you take John Lennon's solo from um, You Can't Do That, listen to the Beatles. It goes, the solo in You Can't Do That goes to da 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 and so that that kind of gave that song a cool sound because it's that is a seventh chord in, with the seventh inverted, and like nobody had played that except John Lennon. In, in, in you can't do that. 
Wow, this is so, I'm just geeking out this whole time, man. Smile, grinning all, ear to ear because I'm loving hearing all these behind the scenes stories. It's amazing, and it's, a, it's such a great song. And uh, you're talking about acronyms, BTO, and all that stuff. TCB, man, taking care of business started a pop culture phrase. Oh, yeah, I'll be back. I just got to go TCB right now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, here's here was my thrill. I grew up playing violin. And at the age of 14, I didn't want to play violin anymore. It was very classical violin, you know, Royal Conservatory of Music. And I saw Elvis on television. And I said, what is that? Because when you play classical music, your parents get you classical records. Right. You don't know, you don't listen to the radio. I saw Elvis on television. I said, what is that? That's rock and roll. That's Elvis. It's what? Elvis. What's that? Elvis, his name, Elvis Presley. Wow. What's that? It's a guitar. He's going crazy. Everybody's screaming. <laughs> I want to do that because when you play classical music, everybody sits quietly. And at the end, they applaud a little bit like that. And I'm, people are going crazy. I want people to go crazy when I play. So my cousins had a guitar. I learned how to play guitar very easily because all you play on violin is a lead. So violin is a lead instrument. So the minute I got a guitar, I started to play lead on it because I knew how to play the top line. And so I became a lead guitar player. Right. Yeah. So that that was like a, a whole amazing thing for me to fall into and, and just play guitar that way. And then, well, then when I wrote Taking Care of Business, because of seeing Elvis on television, many, many years later, I'm watching a television show on HBO on Graceland. And Priscilla Presley's on there, and they say to her, where did Elvis get TCB from? And she said, oh, we were driving to the airport in L.A. to drive back to Memphis, and Elvis heard a song on the radio by a Canadian band called Taking Care of Business. And he said, I love that song. I want that to be my logo, TCB, Lightning Bolt, Taking Care of Business. And that became Elvis's logo. Out of the blue, and Elvis wanted to meet me, but I could never meet him. I was on the road, but now it's on his tombstone. And if you go to Graceland, it's on all the T-shirts, CCB with a lightning bolt. So that's like my collection to Elvis. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, when you were a kid and you saw that on TV, you had no way of knowing you would grow up and coin a phrase, a three-initial acronym off of your hit song that he would then use at Graceland and be on his tombstone. I mean, that is an amazing, amazing legacy a lot of people might not even think about. That's awesome. Um, Thanks. Well, I mean, you've been so generous with your time, but we I can't let you run without talking. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> off the third album, Not Fragile. I mean, it is... So iconic. It's such an upbeat, fun, upbeat song. Uh, but tell me about like the idea to, you know, do that intentionally do the, you know, the the stuttering part of it. You know, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, how did you come up? How did you decide to even do that? Was that a mistake, too? It was a mistake and a joke. I grew up with three brothers. I was the oldest. And all we did, if you've got any brothers or buddies, you always tease each other and play pranks on each other. You short sheet your bed. You hide one of their socks. You know, you do things like that. And my brother, I had a brother who stuttered. And at the ultimate uh, teasing to him, I took this work song that was not supposed to be on the album. I always, I produce the, I always, I produce BTO. When you produce a band, you have to have a work song. You go into the studio and you jam your work song for five or ten or twenty minutes, and you hear it played back. And you go, you adjust the mic to get a better bass sound, or you adjust the kick drum or the snare drum. You're adjusting your mic so you get a good sound on this song. So we kept doing this little track over and over three or four times. So I would listen to the playback and get a nice jangling verse, a big heavy chorus, a little count out a solo for eight bars or 12 bars. And then you had your song, then you had your sound, then you did your album. So while we were doing this work song, I thought, I'm going to tease my brother and I'm going to stutter just like he talks or he tries to talk. And I mixed one copy of it on cassette and put it aside. 
and that song got put in the in the taken gone. It was gone. Then we did the album of eight songs. The head of our label flew in and he said, I want to hear this album. This is a very critical album. You've now had let it ride on the radio. You've now and it's still on the top, still in the top 10. You've got taking care of business on the radio. It's in the top 10. We want to get you in the top five. I want to hear the album. So he listened to the Not Fragile album, which says Not Fragile, Sledgehammer, Roland on the Highway, a couple of other great songs. And he says, I don't hear a song that's going to get you on top 40 radio. And I said, that's the, that's the album. There's four songs on the side. It's classic rock. There's vinyl. There's no, no CD then. You put 20 minutes aside on, on an album. And it, the engineer says, play him the throwaway song. There's something about it. And the head of our label said, is there one? And is there another song? Because it's not really a song. I don't even know what I'm singing about. I'm just teasing, to talking to tease my brother. And I'm doing a bad Van Morrison in the impression. And the guitars aren't even in tune yet. The guitars out of tune. I'm just getting a tone on guitar or sound, not the tuning. And he said, let me hear the track. So we go and get this, the cassette and play him the cassette. And he goes crazy. This song is great. I never heard anything like it on the radio. We got to put it on the album. And I said, there's no room. The album's done. He said, here's how you do it. You take your four longest songs and put them on one side and your five shorter songs, put them on the other side. And maybe they'll balance out at 21, 22 minutes each aside. So he put it on the album. And I, I, I hated it. Uh, the whole world was knowing I was teasing my brother. Right. Then it got played as a single and went to number one in 22 countries. And boom, BTO was like number one. So four years later, after the Guess Who and number one American Woman album and single, four years later, I have the number one album, Not Fragile, and the number one song, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, in the world. And a guy got on an airplane many years later. He was a jean manufacturing, blue jeans, and he was in. he lived in Wales. He sold jeans all over England. And he found out who I was. And he said, oh, I want to put out a kind of jean, a blue jean. And speaking of acronym, I want to put Yasni on the back pocket. You ain't seen nothing yet. Y-A-S-N-Y. Are you kidding? I own that. We said, can I pay you money for it? Can can we have Yasni blue jeans? Like, you're looking at a chick's behind the back pocket. It's you ain't seen nothing yet, right? <laughs> and so I said, okay, go ahead. Yasni jeans, uh, ironically competing with guest jeans of like, guess who? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming full circle. And I'm glad, I'm glad. I mean, it kind of took on a life of its own. I know at first you're like, oh no, and people are going to know I'm making fun of my, my brother's stutter. And yes, and people stuttering is a, is a serious issue. I, you know, I want to make sure I say that the president has overcome, but all that stuff, you know, we got a disclaimer in there, but in, but it's sort of taken on a life of its own, like you're saying. And I don't think anyone's thinking now you're teasing your brother. I think it's just, no, it no. just sounds like a cool, catchy rock and roll. You know, you're having some flair and flavor with the words. I, you know, it's kind of took on a life of its own. I love it. Here's the reward of that song. About 10 years ago, I got a framed document from the American Stuttering Association, which is a real thing. Yeah. And they voted it the best stuttering song of all time because it wasn't making fun of someone. It was celebrating and and letting them and telling everybody all about it. That is like it's no big deal. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like it's okay. It's rock and roll. If people try to put, put us down or but, but Benny and the Jets, right? Actually, it won over Benny the Jets and my generation. So Yasni was the top stuttering song voted by the Stuttering Association. Oh, that's true. Yes, of course. Benny and the Jets, too. What year? What year was Benny and the Jets? 74. So wow, yeah. I guess right around the same time. Yeah. Same year. Wow, that's amazing. I can tell you have great admiration for Elton John. You've mentioned him twice in this interview. <laughs> I mean, he's he's an all-timer, too. 
Uh, all right. Well, I, you've been so generous with your time. Do, do we got to cut you loose or we got time to talk? Hey, you as well. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got, I'll do a quick. Hey, you, um, all right. On the fourth album, four wheel drive, of course. Hey, you not to be confused with, with pink Floyd, uh, song, but, uh, yeah. Tell me how that, how'd you come up with that real quick? Final seconds. Walking down the street in Los Angeles, right? Sunset Boulevard. And somebody comes out of a store and yells, Hey, you. And everybody on the street turns and looks. They didn't yell a name. They just said, hey, you. And I go, wow, that's a great title for a song. Hey, you. I'm going to start a song. Hey, you. Like, boom. Everybody <laughs> listens. It's like, it's like if you whisper and go, listen to this. Everybody listens to you. That's why Nicolas Cage became an actor. He whispers. And everybody listens to whatever he says. He talks real quiet. But when you go, hey, you, everybody looks at you. So I thought, I'll start a song with hey, you. And I'd left the guess who. I was put down for being a straight guy. I've never done any drugs. I don't drink nothing. I just rock and roll. That's all I do. I got put down for being straight. And they said I'd never make it in the music business. And even Burton Cummings, my old buddy, my writing partner in the Guess Who, who was a complete party guy, said I would never make it on my own being straight. So I make it a few years later with BTO being absolutely straight. And if you listen to the lyrics of Hey You, it's me singing to Burton. Hey You, you say you want to change the world. It's all right with me. I've no regret. It's my turn. The circle game has brought me here, and I won't let down till every sun has set. When that came out, You Ain't Seen Nothing It was number one. That song went to number five. Burton Cummings ended the Guess Who. He quit the band because I had made it to number one by being straight, and then he started a solo career. Oh, man, that is such that's such a cool story, man. I, I could just seriously talk to you all day with these stories. I mean, and, and, and the pop just sort of the way to end it. I think just the pop culture legacy and all the ways that you don't think about, like, you know, like the TCB Elvis. And you mentioned the Simpsons. There was a Jim Belushi movie taking care of business. And I believe, sir, I believe I even read that the great horror novelist Stephen King came up with his pen name Richard Bachman because he was listening to one of your songs. Is that true? Yeah, and then he had a movie called Maximum Overdrive and he couldn't reach us, so we put ACDC in it. We should have been in that. Ah, come on. <laughs> His pen name wasn't, you know, Richard Angus Young. It was Richard Bachman. Come on. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but that's it's just it all it all illustrates and then American Woman in Austin Powers too like it just it all illustrates the legacy it goes on and on and on so that legacy continues now everybody with the back in overdrive tour from Bachman Turner overdrive um I guess we're celebrating what is this I guess 50 50 years about formed in 73 yeah 50 yeah, years next year will be the 50th year of not fragile you ain't seen nothing a lot of BTS and I'm releasing next year BTO Live at the Budokan, which in 1976, I just got 18 songs live. I didn't know they existed. Of us live in Japan, I'm mixing it. It's unbelievable. It'll be a double piece of vinyl out next year. Awesome. Everyone will keep an eye out for that. Uh, but right now, look for see if you can pick up tickets to one of the, the cities on the tour. We'll link to it on the website. Um, and let us know when you're coming to our area. We we, we can't wait to see you here in the, in the D.C. area. So, hey, thank you so much. Uh, Randy Bachman on WTOP. Thanks. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. BTO on WTOP. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Bye.